What is going on, everybody? This is Jerry from Collective Podcast with Christian. Post-Thanksgiving, food coma in full effect. Christian, are you surviving? Huh? Oh, yes, I yeah. Yes, I asked um, you a question. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, uh, the tryptophan. Yeah, uh, I had a lot of turkey. I'm dehydrated. I had a lot of salt content put in me from crackers. You look and, like a million bucks. And just, and just stuffing and potatoes and... Turkey and potatoes and turkey and turkey and tomatoes. Pumpkin pie. Lots and lots of pumpkin pie, which is my favorite. So, if, if you were to ask me what would be my last meal before I die, just give me a whole pumpkin pie. I never knew that from you. That's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just give me a whole pumpkin pie so I could just devour it. Now, as... Die happy. It's an interesting point that you just mentioned mm-hmm. because we have our guest, Cesar Vargas, who is... A uh, lawyer out of New York and has a lot of affiliation with the Democratic Party on Staten Island and throughout New York as well. And I'm curious to see what his last meal is going to be before he dies, if in a hypothetical scenario. Oh well, especially okay. during Thanksgiving, survival oh. of the fittest. Um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and ask him what you have for Thanksgiving, Jerry. Oh boy. So uh, the food coma began with me approximately at two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. That turkey was the first thing on on the envelope. I was going ham on that without the ham involved. And then fast forwarding to all the other things I had, such as like a sweet potato pie. My aunt is a savage on that. And then dessert time, I had this chocolate cake with like the salted caramel like aftertaste to it. It was the craziest good thing ever. So Jerry, I have a question and I have a story. Yes. What is the difference between sweet potatoes and yams? I have no idea, but they both taste fucking delicious. Okay, so if anybody listening can t- explain to me the difference between sweet potato pie and yams, I would be really appreciated because I have no clue. I have no clue. Um, oh, so this isn't the story. This is just what I put up. So I did watch March of the Wooden Soldiers on uh, Thanksgiving. The tradition lives on 28 years later. Oh, Christian Every trooper. Thanksgiving. Um I put up my yearly video of uh, William Shatner talking about deep fried turkey. <laughs> Don't you have that Seinfeld one too that yeah. you always post yeah, with Kramer? Yeah, the Seinfeld one with Kramer. But I'll tell you a funny story. So a couple of days ago, my mom texted my aunt and asked her what time should we get to my cousin's house for Thanksgiving. My aunt writes on Facebook, be here at 1145. Whoa. Just, just reiterate. Be here at 11.45. So we're driving, we're driving, we're driving. What a boss. We're driving, we're driving. We, we get to my cousin's house in, in New Jersey. Uh, 11.45. And I ring the doorbell. My, cousin, my cousin's husband answers the door all happy. Oh, you guys are here early. He's like, what do you mean we're here early? My aunt said 11.45. So she's like, okay, come in. You know, they were still getting ready, but it was fine. About 10 minutes later, my aunt calls up my mom, or calls me up, and I hand my phone to my mom, because, you know. And uh, my aunt goes, where are you? I'm here. What do you mean you're here? I don't see you outside. She said, be at my aunt's house, so we could both drive together at 11.45. Not at my cousin's. So, so yeah, so, that was funny. That was funny. So, (laughs) my mom felt bad. My dad was a little annoyed. I took a nap. (laughs) <laughs> I've been I pulled the best. The whole I, pulled, day. I pulled the best Jerry impersonation. I took a nap. Christian, you do it so well when you do it. But if 
Anybody's been noticing, wave to the camera, Jerry. Hello, hello. This is the, uh, we tried to do it with Larry Sharp. Couldn't do it. Camera died. The GoPro didn't want to work. Turned purple. But uh, we did it now. But now Look we're on. We're on my DSLR camera in the middle of the room. Hopefully nobody trips when, when they're walking in. In the heart of Times Square. But yeah, so we're going to have Caesar on. Vargas. Caesar Vargas. We're going to talk about some political stuff. Jerry's going to talk. Democrats. We had Libertarian on, now we're going to the other side of the spectrum, which is Democrats. And then hopefully we'll have a Republican on, so we hit all of the parties. We're gonna, I know, we're gonna I know who Jerry wants on. He wants his Green Party candidate on. Mm. Jerry loves the Green Party. But anyway. I think you should book him. So there's that. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's... Uh, Guys, we love you. Get ready for this interview. It is going to be a wonderful thing. So let's... Guaranteed. Let's get to the interview, guys. What is going on, everybody? We are here, Collective Podcast, Episode 17. We got a very special guest in the building, or as I say, Times Square, Caesar Vargas. How are you doing today? Hey, Dry, doing great to have. Great, thank you so much for having me and having us here, having a conversation after a big, big meal, at Thanksgiving dinner. Oh yeah, <laughs> that goes without saying. So. Tell me a little bit about the Thanksgiving process for you guys, how the table worked out for you guys and the food that you had. Well, it's, you know, we obviously all have the traditional Thanksgiving turkey and we have the stuffing and we have the usual, I guess, like uh, American type uh, Thanksgiving that we all hear. But we also have the Mexican style parallel to the American Thanksgiving, which is we have a turkey that's uh, seasoned with like that's the spicy, uh, spicy sauce called adobo. And it's just incredible, delicious. It's less dry than sometimes turkey. Uh, and it's just incredible to have not only stuffing, turkey, cranberry sauce, but you have tamales. You also have spicy Mexican food. You have, you know, Mexican pastries. So for me, it's like having that. So as you can imagine, it was like I was in a food coma for, and I was literally physically sick because I ate too much. My dad can relate to the same struggles as well. So he was he was going on a tangent. So like he had his turkey or whatever. He had a whole turkey leg. He then complains to us as the whole table for about an hour. He's like, why do I feel so sick all of a sudden? What <laughs> so he was like getting all crazy about that stuff. Well, just, like, then it was, just then it was also like sick on that, worried? Yes, because not only did we have tamales and all that, but we also had our Mexican tradition... Uh, drinks which is atole and champurrado and then we had it with pan dulce so we had our our like Cesar said not only American traditional uh, dishes but also Mexican uh, uh, dishes as well and uh, it it varied like I think me and Cesar we had like, yeah we ended up having food coma <laughs> yeah no and it was, and it's so interesting because you have the really amazing uh, beautiful uh, global Thanksgiving when you have the Mexican pastry and now you know I'm thinking now like we also had cannolis right and I'm sure like that's uh, kind of how you have about uh, you know in a plate you have different types of food and that is Thanksgiving that is America right that is the exact exactly what we're talking about when we talk about American Thanksgiving which is the world in one plate 100% so uh, kind of to jump into it a little bit what are you most thankful for in 2018 uh, for me I'm very thankful my family, obviously, in terms of uh, just making sure that we're all together here on Staten Island. My every my entire siblings were here, um, and thankful that we have 
uh, incredible communities who are who believe in in keeping families together. Uh, as an immigration attorney, for me, one of the most important things that I uh, that I hope to do is ensure that we have people who come from around the world and are able to come together. At the end of the day, it's simply a mother who wants to be with a child, a father who wants to be with his with his children, a spouse who wants to be with their loved one. That's at the end. That's what that's what it is. And for me, that's what I'm thankful for that I was able to do. But also a community that has been able here on Staten Island to reflect that uh, in in an era where the Trump administration continues to separate families, I'm thankful that we have incredible community leaders who have stepped up, who continue to tell their stories like you all allow me to tell my story. Uh, and for me, that's the most important thing, to just ensure that we are keeping families together. And I'm thankful that I have incredible people who believe in that as well. Yes, I think right now under this administration, we have seen how families continue being separated, how especially our, our Mexican community has been under attack under this administration. and just seeing how this thanksgiving i was able to be fortunate enough to spend spend it with my entire family and fortunate enough to have my husband here too um and just knowing that he's also in a pathway to citizenship and it's those little things that just make me thankful but as well like reminds me that as an organizer and as an activist i need to continue pushing so everyone else could have the same privilege in my community and but thankful to know that uh here in Staten Island we have an amazing community that will ensure that that happens yeah I would say that Staten Island has more of a melting pot than most can presume especially from the outside looking in and I've noticed in my time from both sides of the parties for like Republicans and Democrats I see when it comes down to wanting the same things people do ultimately strive for it exactly because they exactly. are very localized and focused on what needs to happen for us absolutely absolutely and you know we definitely have that um, you know when it comes to we can always debate the politics and obviously I'm sure this Thanksgiving many families were debating politics uh, you know we have the conservative uncles perhaps and we have probably progressive young people but at the end of the day I think it was just having people having your families on the table celebrating uh, a moment where we can all be together and that's really what hopefully binds us together as Staten Islanders as, as Americans and we're hoping that we continue to really spread that holiday cheer as we go into Christmas as we go into uh, the New Year's to ensure that we have a, a new a new year that we can focus on what brings us all of us together it's just simply all of us coming here to celebrate a beautiful moment with our families 100% so uh, I'm curious to know as you've explained at the Democratic uh, Association from, uh, I believe, a week ago, you had a very incredible speech and story to present in terms of how your upbringing was uh, as being the first undocumented lawyer in New York. So I wanted to hear a little bit more of the story for our viewers here. Yeah, so for me, I, I came to the U.S. when I was five years old after my father passed away. And like any loving mother, uh, she had a very tough decision to make, either stay in Mexico where we were very poor. Uh, I remember us just living in a in a one room, uh, concrete building. The wind it had no windows. The windows were just curtains. Uh, the ceiling was just a, an aluminum, uh, big, uh, pretty much as that provided us shelter from the elements. Uh, and eventually, you know, my mom took the decision. Okay, do I stay in Mexico and not know whether I'm going to be able to feed my children? 
or take the chance and risk everything to travel up north to the US with the hopes of one day perhaps we can live the American dream and for me it was one of those decisions that I continue to really admire my mom for risking everything um, because any loving mother would do that any mother with with faced with the decision of whether or not you're going to provide food or, or shelter to your ch child that mom that parent would risk everything for the for their for their son for their daughter and for me just being able to uh, look back into where she was at the moment there's no question that that was just incredible courage and it had nothing to do with the politics and nothing to do with well I'm gonna do this uh, you know she tried to do it within the process of getting a visa but of course uh, we know that immigration systems are very obscure towards wealthy individuals towards uh, people who have uh, you know with certain countries of origin like Europe where you don't even have a visa in Mexico it's very hard for a poor Mexican woman uh, to get a visa and come to you and so she couldn't get it so the other the other way alternative was just as many of ancestors here on Staten Island where they're undocumented siblings whether they're undocumented Italians undocumented Irish that by the way still are many living here in, on Staten Island especially the South Shore where we have a vast population of Italian immigrants including undocumented immigrants Russians well. very big in the north absolutely Pol uh, Polish in in South Beach so you know undocumented populations and undocumented immigrants are still a very central uh, population and also element of our, our what Staten Island is here very closely we don't even have to look in 100 years ago we can do it even now um, but going back in terms of like what my mom risked everything she she definitely took that decision um, and picked us up from school on the last day and for me obviously I didn't know what was going on uh, all I knew is that she was she was taking me to the Catedral de Puebla the beautiful town cathedral where we were going to take a picture of the last day that we were in Mexico and I remember us just me my younger brother my two little sisters with our school uniforms my mom to you know to my left towering over us in a beautiful blue flowing dress and her just you know just at the picture her staring directly with a glance of courage but at the same time uh, deep anxiety and and concern of what she was about to do which is commute commute not from here to Staten Island but take a journey to a new country a new nation where she was going to start her, her, her new life um, but because of that courage you know, she, we, I was able to accomplish on that and just you know as a five-year-old you know we you know we have a, a memories of faint memories of us either in Christmas tree for me my most vivid memories of us of me five years old was crossing the US Mexico border uh, in the late hours of the night. I'm sure that's a timeless memory. Oh, absolutely. That, like, time was incredibly just indelible when it came to every moment that I was experiencing as a five-year-old. From the time that we were just there waiting with the barbed wire in front of us uh, and the fence, you know, ripped to allow some people to just sneak in to just the silence to the, like, you know, I always am very vivid about the how I was feeling at that moment, but also what I was seeing, the lights, you know, sh uh, shading the whole landscape blue, um, moving around and dancing across the landscape, the rocky terrain of the desert, uh, and just simply for us, just running, running and running. Um, and for me, at five years old, I felt like I was running, I 
thousands of miles um, and it was only a few hundred yards but for me at five years old that was just running to to really a journey to start a new life with my mom did you feel like you kind of broke the glass ceiling right when you did that too uh, perhaps, you know, for me, I, I definitely think that at that moment, it wasn't just Cesar Vargas coming into the U.S. for a better opportunity right. and living the American dream. I think it was what many of our parents, uh, including Jacinta's parents, including many of our ancestors, is for that notion, that beautiful concept, that sometimes perhaps elusive concept or non-existent concept of the American dream. What is that? Obviously, there's many definitions, but it was an idea very powerful enough for my mom to take the chance of risking everything with the hopes of breaking the ceiling, glass ceiling with one, you know, the first undocumented attorney, one, one of our sons could be an attorney. Um, and, you know, many of us have done it for, for generations. And I think that is the journey that all our parents really go to when it comes to just risking everything for their, for their children with the hopes of them having a better opportunity than that they had. I couldn't agree with that more. You know, I definitely commend you for your journey on that as well. So uh, kind of to get into a little bit of logistics as far as, like, the process of immigrating and becoming a citizen. Uh, it's kind of like a two-part question. So on average, it's about five years for an individual to become a citizen of the United States, give or less if things, like, work out on a more smooth basis and things of that sort. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts in terms of, like, what are kind of, like, propositions you want to see? To make things easier for those who want to be citizens of the U.S. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a it's a process that has different um, stages. So the five years, yes, you generally is is once you once you're already a green card holder, you're able to adjust um, on a path to becoming a citizen. So if you are a green card holder, for example, myself, I'm a green card holder, I'm able to now become a citizen. Uh, actually in three years because I'm married to a US uh, citizen spouse right uh, but generally it's five years but the process to get a green card which is the most critical component once you get a green card everything can can be much easier but the process to get a green card can last uh, from five to ten to fifteen to twenty to thirty years uh, right now uh, a sibling uh, or, or a brother or a sister uh, who wants to come from the Philippines, from Mexico, from India, uh, they probably have to wait about 15 to 20 years just to get a, a green card. And, and that means that they have to wait outside. Um, and, and then eventually having the fees, which is again, another fees could cost ranging for, with attorney and application fees can range from 5,000 to 20, 15, you know, thousands of dollars in, in, uh, in application fees. So for me, I guess to answer your question, uh, you know, no one wants to go through the border, risk their life, right. probably die because of scorching heat or no water. Um, no one wants to do that. And no mother or dad wants to put their children through that dangerous journey. Um, you know, just last year, the UN reported that 412 immigrants died crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. What a shame. 80% of young women are sexually assaulted or raped crossing from South America to the U.S. And that's just the U.S.-Mexico border. We're not even talking about the borders and the oceans that many African immigrants or, or uh, individuals from Eastern Europe have to cross, crossing from, from those areas to Europe. Um, you know, we, ha we saw the horrible picture of that baby washing ashore yeah. uh, just a few years ago. You know, that's the journey. No one wants to do that. And for me, I guess an, a rational immigration system is a system that would facilitate the process to come in and out 
so people can come here for two years, three years, and be able to come back out. Just as we make it very easy for the transportation and uh, and transportation of goods, like a tablet that's made in China or a or an Apple phone that can move around the world, we can do that with with human beings where they can facilitate easy movement. And again, a lot of people want to come to the U.S., but a lot of people don't want to come to the U.S. Some people want to be able to come here, work two years, maybe come here, invent, start a business, and then go back to the the country. And during the 1990s, we saw that the in early 2000s, the product of when we have a, a militarization enforcement priority, um, we close our borders, then people are not able to come back out. So, mm -hmm. for example, during during probably like around like the nineteen late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, the undocumented population was about probably like from three to seven million people, even give or take. After we had draconian immigration policy in nineteen ninety six, you know, and we started enforcing um, you know militarization in the border, people didn't weren't able to come back and forth anymore. So right. six to three million became 11 million undocumented immigrants because for them, it's like, if I'm not be able to leave my country, leave the U.S., I'm just going to stay here living undocumented. So for me, it's just let's make sure that we can move people around. And it's, it's much more uh, efficient when it comes to national security. When we allow people to come in easily, we know who they are. We register them, we fingerprint them, and we know who is exactly coming to our country. No border in American history or world history has ever been 100% secure. There will always oh, be... Oh, there's flaws everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. Whether no matter what party you're Exactly. And whether it was 2018 or whether it's in the 15th century with the Great Wall of China that didn't do anything, uh, whether it was Europe, whether it was... You name it. People are going to continue to move. The better way that we can do is actually come together, make sure that people can come in and out, just as we do it now. You know, the U.S. already has open borders per se. You know, someone from New York can go to New Jersey. Someone from Illinois can go to Kansas. Someone from California can go easily back and forth, and it works. You know, and and because people know who is this, and ultimately, you know, the reality is that our immigration system is inherently racist. You know, this is not a political statement. This is this is law, and this is fact. When, you know, in 1790, when only white uh, Protestant uh, heterosexual males could be in technicality with the full rights of citizenship, you know, that's what it was. Whereas, you know, in 1882, this Chinese Exclusion Act, where if you were Asian, um, you could not come into the U.S., um, you know, the, the Fourth Amendment, 14th Amendment guaranteeing uh, citizenship to African um, uh, slaves was the product because Africans and black people were not citizens. You know, and in, in the 1950s, Operation Wetback, where the U.S. deported almost 2 million Mexicans and Mexican-American citizens because they were Mexican. So, you know, it's also recognizing that our immigration system needs to be, one, not racist, period. Um, you know, we, you know, everyone loves to go to a Mexican restaurant, to an Egyptian restaurant, to an Italian restaurant. But when it comes to the people, you know, we need to be better than that. Definitely. Now, I want to ask a general question where I want everybody to have their perspective put into it. So I'm just going to say it flat out. Do you think, from your perspective, is 325 million people in the U.S. as a population too much for America to handle? 
Well, I think ultimately, like, I I've traveled to forty fifth states now. Um, certainly, we need to make sure that we have ample resources available to ensure that everyone can have quality housing, food, and everything. But the world is vast. Like just looking at looking, taking an airplane and going and seeing the open spaces around the world, around just in New York State. You know, New York State is huge, like huge. And you know, I think it's it's ensuring that we have the ample resources to feed everyone. We have the ample resources to house everyone. We throw away billions of dollars in food each day. Oh, that's definitely a big issue. Housing. We have houses who are empty right now because people are are are, are just there, you know, losing their homes or because people people are just feeling. We have the resources. What matters is not necessarily about how many people. It's about ensuring we have a rational policies where we all can contribute to the well-being of our society. No one wants to come here from another country and eventually uh, just simply say, hey, hey, I want to be able to hear and, and do nothing. Everyone comes here to provide something better for their families. And so long as we can, all of us contribute, whether you are making $20,000 a year or $100 million a year, everyone should contribute, but everyone should contribute fairly. It's not fair for a teacher on Staten Island to be paying more taxes than a, an executive making you know millions of dollars um, and not paying taxes or less taxes than a teacher that's not fair and I think we all agree that we all need to contribute but we all need to be fairly on that and I think we can all agree on that and and I believe like by the end of the day is what gives us any right to tell a human being you do not belong here and I've been hearing on and on from US citizens saying, well, I am a U.S. citizen, and I say we shouldn't let, for example, the caravan. Right. We should not let these refugees seek asylum here. I sit in, and I hear this from many U.S. citizens. And for me, I am a U.S. citizen. And I say to them that, first of all, what gives you any right whatsoever to tell another human being to be here? The only difference was that you were born here, and I, and it, but we are still humans. I guess I just never really understood that from people sure. that think that way. And as of right now, we see the caravan that is coming. They're trying to seek a refugee here in the United States due to the United States intervening in their own countries. They are fleeing violence. They are fleeing per persecution. They, Many of these young women uh, are also just trying to find a, a, a place where they could feel safe. Again, no one wants to make that crazy journey from another country to all the way here to the United States. Nobody wants to put themselves through through, through that type of, of, of danger. But again, they're just coming here to, to seek a, a, a better life, a better opportunity. And again, by the end of the day, I always say, what gives us any right uh, to tell another human being you do not belong here? Definitely see where you're coming from. Christian, you have anything to like add to that? Uh, no, that's, 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 uh, that's really important to realize that, you know, uh, people should be in America, you know, immigration stuff, but, uh, yeah, I, that's all I have. There was, uh, <laughs> that's, I was working on something on the computer trying to. 
fix the camera. So I've heard about you prior to the Fox interview you did with Tucker Carlson. I'm going to say like a few months before that. And then I saw this, which was like such an amazing feat for somebody in your platform to take on something that's almost polar opposite to what you believe in. So uh, something I wanted to ask is, now even though, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm more of like a middle down the line type of guy. But uh, there was one thing I actually agreed with you on in terms of uh, in terms of citizenship, like, you know, distinguishing if that makes you American or not. And you had more of, like, the merit and spirit of being a citizen, which you were trying to explain. I really commend you for that because I actually agree with you. So I wanted to hear more of, like, why is that, pers- why is that your perspective? Well, I, you know, going back to the, the whole uh, political perspective of Thanksgiving, you know, at the end of the day, it's about values and whether you're Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, progressive, you name it. At the end of the day, great things in history, uh, great movements, great accomplishments are not made by one person. There, it takes a movement. It takes a an effort for people from across political spectrum, from different type of groups to come together and actually create something that's going to really bring a prosperity for for everyone and for me I think citizenship truly means that that each person is going to contribute to their neighborhood to their community to their country uh, and ensure that we can all aspire for that citizenship where we can all be treated equal uh, you know for me you know I I certainly you know for me I certainly consider myself um, one that focuses on ensuring that we're working from across the aisle Democrat, Republican, to ensure that we're working on solutions, which is why I work with Congressman Dan Donovan um, to uh, on immigration op-ed, on immigration policy, to ensure that at the end of the day, listen, your great-grandfather was undocumented, I was undocumented, but at the end of the day, we all have the belief that if you're working here and if you and your government should give you an opportunity to reach for the stars, whatever that means for each person. And for me, I truly mean that a citizenship where we, each and one of us, can be treated equally, regardless of immigration status, religion, sexual orientation, age, gender, disability, and so on. That is what citizen truly means. And, sure. And at the end of the day, you know, we don't have that right now. We do not have citizenship where we can all be treated equally. You know, we have second-class citizenship, no question about it. Um, and I think at the end of the day, for me, when I go to Tucker Carlson, um, you know, for me, obviously, there's some people who are completely going to disagree with me, and and that's okay. This, but that's a small minority. Most people, including on Staten Island, do want to work together, even if you are Republican or Democrat. For me, I just kind of look at it. It's like, for me, uh, it's about inviting friends over, like for for a game, right? For me, right. I cannot stand the New England Patriots. Uh, I'm a Jets fan, uh, but you know what? At the end of the All day, right, like, this is unification. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, I could invite you over to my house, watch the game. You bring you you bring chips. I bring pizza. You bring gluten free. You bring gluten free, <laughs> and we all can enjoy and have a good time, and you know, making sure that we're having a good time and working together and and all contributing. That's what I think. At the end of the day, we can, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to come from different political uh, backgrounds. Uh, you know, this is where we are as a country, uh, the marketplace of free ideas where we're all competing with each other to ensure that we can, you know, put out the best ideas for the country. Uh, but for me, it's, it's making sure that we are working together with people from across Staten Island, 
uh, and ultimately for me regardless of whether you have a D or an R in you know after your name when it comes to voting for me it's like if you are here to uphold our values as a nation of immigrants but also as a nation that should aspire for citizenship where each person can have an opportunity and aspire for that beautiful idea of what the American dream is all about then we're all in this together because at the end of the day we're all in the same boat Hurricane Sandy came devastated Staten Island and you know what it didn't care whether you're undocumented or a citizen it didn't care whether you had a million dollar home or a town, small townhouse condo or yeah. co-op it it took it was an equalizer and at the end of the day you know when 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 we're when we're all giving a hand after the storm undocumented immigrants went and volunteered to help rebuild South Beach and help uh, reconstruct everything. They didn't care about their immigration side. They just said, you know what? We're Staten Islanders and we're going to come and help each other because we're our neighbors. That's at the end of the day what we're all about. And I think Cesar brought up an interesting point when he mentioned that we will not always agree on everything, right? And I've learned that as an organizer and as an activist, I've I've understood that there's always going to be people that are going to be disagreeing with me, right? But a lot of the times is because they don't understand what is happening or they don't have knowledge on that specific um, issue. And I could go back to last year when there was a, an event and Cesar and I got invited to it. And it was a Republican event. And uh, many of them were disagreeing with immigration and, and with people being here undocumented. And later on, Cesar started explaining to them that why, why many people come here to the United States, right? Why they decide to come here. And one of the interesting questions was when somebody was saying, oh, well, undocumented individuals don't pay taxes. Um, they don't contribute to Social Security. Mm. And Cesar actually, I, I guess, schooled them, right? He gave them the knowledge. And no, I, I'm definitely on your side about that. Yeah. And sure. Cesar basically was saying, no, they do pay taxes, right? And he was explaining to them, like, the, the entire process. And towards the end, they actually came and, and spoke with us. And, and they said, I'm sorry, I never knew that. I, I'm still Republican, but I want to learn more. And it's those things, right, that a lot of the times people just don't know what it, know much about the topic. And and as well, we've had a potluck where we invited a Republican family. And this person, she's like, I i don't agree with, with undocumented individuals being here, but I want to learn, right? And throughout, like, more potlucks that we started having in the, in our home with very, people who have different types of, of, of political views, this particular person this particular family now is now we see her like in other events that we do right other events with with that support immigrant families so i guess that's I, a lot of the times people just don't understand the, the what is happening or have um, knowledge on that specific specific topic and and i think um that is we sometimes we need to be in uncomfortable places and, and again, I've learned that as an activist and as an organizer, sometimes, you know, I do have to go in into these places where there's people who are Republican, who are against my community, and it's my responsibility, right, to go in there and just give them that type of information, and, and if they want to learn more, absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to ensure that, it, that if you have an issue with my community, why do you have that issue with my community? Is it that you just, just don't understand what is happening? Well, let me 
let me uh, provide you with the information. And again, that has that has actually helped us out a lot. I, I've seen many people who were against, you know, undocumented individuals, against my family, against my parents, against my husband, and now they're at our events saying, how can we help out? How yeah. can we support you? How do you think people can be misinformed, like, throughout their lives? And I, I think it goes back to what um, Cesar had mentioned. Um, we come from different backgrounds, right? I, For example, I grew up in the south side of Chicago, and I sure. have seen how many factories were the ones surrounding my neighborhood, uh, polluting my neighborhood, polluting the air. And I have seen how politicians have defunded uh, public schools and low-income communities. And I have seen right now like how police brutality against um, minority communities. Um, so I think a lot of the times is that people come from different backgrounds and they don't understand that. But again, it's like where you get uh, your news from at times, right? I think, for example, Tucker Carlson feeds into uh, the far right. Um, sure. And I think it, as I, 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 I always tell people, I listen to everything. I just don't listen to the Democrats. I also, I, I'm also seeing other types of news, everything. I, I just listen to, to, to every community and I try to, to see what is happening. Why does this person think this way why and I try to analyze and I think it goes back to I think it's a duty that we have as individuals to 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 ensure that we're not just getting our news from one specific uh, place or one specific group we need to explore and we need to see why does this person think this way what is happening and it is our responsibility to get that information definitely yeah and for me I, I think at the end of the day it's very easy to hate and fear what you don't know you know very basic principle of human nature and when you hear about immigrants or you hear about any other group or anything that you don't know or you are completely unfamiliar with you have you have a tendency to you know dislike it to fear it but you know for me that's why I do tell my story that's why I, tell, I work with in, in communities across the country to tell the stories because you know, it's easy to and to debate and argue against politics, right? It's, you know, you, people are never going to agree with you if, if you're just talking about politics. You know, just look at social media and Facebook, you know, threats that go out like miles, miles <laughs> of people are just fighting each other, you know. Yeah, it's called SILive.com. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, exactly. And, you know, that's that's exactly what, you know, what you do. And, but, you know, when you go directly to a person, you talk to them, you meet their family, you connect with them, you bring a dish or you just even tell them your experience it's vastly very different it's so easy to hide behind a computer or a phone or a tweet and say and really just you know just portray the worst of you when it comes to immigration when it comes to healthcare when it comes to you name it every other issue but when you're face to face it's very easy it's very easy to connect it's much more powerful to remind each other of like okay you know what I, you know, I never knew I, you love your mom. I love my mom, you know, like we, you know, we love soccer or something, you know, that's very different when you're looking face to face with people. Uh, and I think, you know, having that connection, you know, it's so important for me. That's why I always am a big emphasis about what we talk when it comes to all politics local, you know, it's about when it comes to changing the dynamics of a city, of a borough, of a nation, we need to connect. 
it literally means just knocking on doors on your neighbors and saying, hey, look, I'm here just in case it's an emergency. We, you know, we rarely do that at times, right? It's just simply maybe, you know, your next door neighbor if you see him. But for me, like, I try to talk to every single person because that's at the end of the day, that's how we're going to connect. Um, you know, it's if I don't talk to them about who I am or they don't tell me about who they are, I'm never going to know who they are. And the the worst of us suspicions can can foment when it comes to the unknown. And for me, I'd rather know each other and, and see each other face to face and connect with each other and ultimately really bring us together as, as neighbors, as Staten Islanders, as Americans. Sure. I'm going to ask you a two-part question as I definitely see where you guys are coming from on a lot of your points. Uh, my first question is, what's one policy that you agree with Republicans about? Well, for me, I think, you know, there's a lot of policies that I agree, you know, lowering taxes. I think, you know, we should definitely lower taxes for people when it comes to unnecessary expenses. You know, I think that's something that we're all agree with. No one wants to pay taxes. You know, we obviously need to pay taxes. But at the same time, let's not use this as talking points. Um, you know, let's not use this as talking. Like in border security is one another example. I, you know, I have no opposition to border security, but when it comes to border security, that's going to put a wall in our in our U.S. Mexico border that's going to do nothing whatsoever for border security. Then I have an issue with that. Sure. Um, you know, if we can both come together and say, "Hey, listen, we need border security because there are." terrible people out there evil people that's in our nature as human beings but at the end of the day that doesn't mean that we we should all see each other as evil as as bad people you know there's we should create a border policy that's tough that's smart and fair and you know if a, if a family wants to come here and live their life great because that reflects exactly what we have done across the country we want, all want to pay have lower taxes great but let's lower taxes. Let's lower taxes for every single person, not just for someone making millions and millions of dollars. But when it comes to here on Staten Island, our property taxes are through the roof compared to other boroughs. Uh, it's gonna in, become New Jersey. Exactly, yeah. right? Exactly. But you know, like, let's talk about that, right? Let's be fair. Let's not just use a use a talking point. So I do think that there's a there's a difference between uh, politics and politicians and good policies and states states people statesmen and stateswoman like you know we cannot be run down by the politics of the day we need to lead we need to work together we need to sit down and say how do we work together if we need to you know like it's like getting to a location if we need to turn left turn right to get to our destination great but let's all move together to move forward let's not just go around in circles and just just feed into talking points you know for me i, I definitely agree with many policies and talking points when it comes to working with Republicans, but at the end of the day, let's let's be rational, let's work together, and let's actually come to a solution. Yeah, I think just echoing what what Cesar said too. I think, for example, with border security, right? I think who doesn't want to feel secure, right? Sure. That, that is that's obvious. It's just that you have right now the Trump administration saying like, oh, we have to put up a wall. It honestly, like, how much money are we going to be spending on that Support. wall? It's right. supposed to be billions right now. Billions of dollars when the United States itself right now needs to focus on other stuff, right? For example, I agree with them on saying increased job opportunities. Absolutely. Why don't we just use that money that they want to implement on that wall and focus on trying to provide more jobs for the, for the American people, right? I think 
more than anything is just like I think separating the policies and the pot and the politicians. I think yeah. their their policies I agree with them absolutely, but I let's just be smart about how we want to implement like these policies. Sure thing. Uh another question I have is what's the biggest sense of advice for people who want to get involved in politics from like your experience into especially like in staten island there's a lot of young people who want to get involved especially like you know getting them involved with like their local assemblies and stuff like that what's your advice to them to see how they can move forward in it well for me the best advice is to one obviously connect with other other people who want to do the same work that you do and you know there's there's issues affect us from across the spectrum, whether it's immigration, whether it's healthcare, whether it's, uh, you know, environment, you name it. I think ultimately it's just listening to what you're passionate about and what affects you directly. Uh, I think most people think about like, okay, I'm just going to work in a congressional office or in a city government and say, okay, you know, this is what's going to give me and, you know, access or influence or just simply connect me to politics. Um, at the end of the day, all politics is local. And for me is literally recognizing the power of each individual so and you know connecting out there on social groups like even if there isn't even if you go into a group that you feel like you know i i liked it but it's not what you can create your own group like you know nothing's preventing you from creating your own small group of people and and that is power you know like as uh as that saying said you know never doubt that a small group of people can make a difference yeah. when in fact that's the only thing you can whether you're two people three people and you want to get organized to change immigration policies, to lower property taxes, to uh, to bring more more resources to a public school, or you name it. I think just bring in that, and eventually you connect with other amazing people who want to do the same work. So it's like a little snowball effect. Just start small, and eventually you know will turn into something incredibly powerful. And you know, for me, like when the moment I I didn't know how to get involved, but I, for me, I knew that I wanted to tell my story and get involved because that was something that was gonna affect me, especially when it comes to immigration. And you know, through that, I have traveled 45 states. You know, I have incredible friends and relationships in, in literally the entire 50 states uh, and of the US. And you know, I can go to Kansas, I can go to Alabama, I can go to Alaska. I have friends who I can connect with because they believe in the same mission that I do, not just in immigration, but in everything. So for me, is at this moment, you wanna get involved, First, start within your own immediate circle. You know, it, start with your friends. Hey, let's let's work on bringing a soccer field to you know to the park here in the South Shore in the, in the North Shore. You'll connect with two people who will, will really work with you. And yes, you'll have friends who be like, oh, I don't want to get get involved in politics, and that's fine. You know, not everyone's there. I haven't played soccer since right. I was three years old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 about doing that. Just get involved there. And connecting with different groups and obviously you all can connect us here on Stein Island if you're in interested on in immigration policies immigration advocacy um, you know there's countless amazing work to do whether it's uh, whether it's lobbying your local elected official whether it's, uh, you know, it's going to an immigration court to support a family there's a lot of stuff that we can do and you know and ultimately that comes with incredible opportunities learning the law learning policies learning how to organize right bringing different events together did you always want to be a lawyer you know you know my mom has always said something for me that you know that is wrong to me since and you know it's, it's at the moment this is where i am at because of her she always said that you know in our family tenemos que tener un abogado y un doctor uh in our family we always need to have a doctor and a lawyer 
Uh, and for for us, she didn't mean that exactly about about that specific about a, lie, a lawyer and a doctor. But she said she she meant that we always need to have someone to defend our family. And regardless of whether you're an attorney, whether you're a journalist, or a teacher, you always need to have that like you know someone in the family who's going to stand up for the rights of your family members and your community and your neighborhood. And I think that's exactly you know where that I wanted to be an attorney because of her. And you know, I think similarly with other young people. And going back to your question, um, if you want to be a lawyer, obviously reach out to me. Like, uh, you can find me on social media. If you are a high school student, I do a law day uh, each year that brings young people from across the island, and we do an event together with judges, with a prominent attorneys on Staten Island, and they tell you their work that they do. Um, but we spin in a very different angle. We actually tell point it in the way of like advocacy because an attorney is not just the one attorney who reviews a document and that's it an attorney at the end of the day is an advocate an advocate for for rights and an advocate for justice and if you believe that you want to be that great you know contact us and we're there and you know there's a lot of really great um you know just it works for a lot of young people as well and you know from people who want to get involved on that yes there's there's always that notion right that you need to belong to this big not-for-profit or that you need to have like these many years of experience in order to be taken serious which there's nothing wrong right being involved in a not-for-profit they do amazing work and, but as someone who can yeah. speak from it like <laughs> boots on the ground is really where it's at exactly yes and so it, there's always that notion and then I always tell people that you don't necessarily have to take that route because you when you start organizing or when you start getting involved for example, myself, I didn't choose to start organizing. I didn't have a choice. I did it out of necessity because I started seeing how many politicians kept defunding my neighborhood and how that increased the school-to-prison pipeline system. And I started seeing many of my friends either getting thrown to, in jail or getting killed or just seeing them become victims of their own environment. So what I did was that, like Cesar said, I just con connected with my immediate circle. And it was just 10 of us, and we started off in my in, in my porch. And we I just started saying, you know what, we need to just push these politicians, and what is it that we want in our neighborhood, which is just basic things, and it's basic things that many people just want, right? We want access to quality education. Um, we want access to, to, uh, 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 to jobs. We just want access to... Uh, help to healthcare. That is just the basic things that we want. So, I always tell young people or people that want to get involved, right? That just you don't need to belong to these big organizations. Just I, I echoing what Cesar said. Just connect with your immediate circle, and what is it that you want to change? And just always keep in mind that this is not a one-time. Um, road right right or a route uh, yeah pretty this, much election season yes it's this is, <laughs> which, is a, which is another big issue we, yeah yes yeah. Mm -hmm. um i've been organizing for 10 years already and it's not something that okay I, i'm gonna stop organizing now or i'm gonna stop organizing then 2020 comes around <laughs> on this issue right just always take care of yourself first like mental health like make sure that that um it, because this is hard work. This is hard work, right? Organizing is hard work. Getting involved is hard work. So just making sure that you take care of yourself and, and make sure that that um, that you never forget why you started organizing. And, and that is something that I always remember. Like whenever 
whenever I, I, I start getting tired or whenever I start, um, uh, uh, yeah, whenever I start getting tired, I just remember, why did you start organizing, Yesenia? Remember, and then I just go back to that time that I started organizing my port 10 years ago, right? I always remember that little girl that was like, I want to make change in my community. So again, I just tell people, just keep in mind why you started organizing and just just know that the, the more you start organizing, the more you start getting attention, there's going to be politicians that are going to be reaching out to you. And the, uh, just don't forget, uh, don't start getting too cozy to politicians because I've seen many organizers do that. And I guess that's why I keep repeating this, right? Like try to remember why you started organizing because it's really easy when you start getting invited to, to parties, when you start getting recognition for you to, to forget why you started in the first place first place which was to hold politicians accountable and make sure that they uh, recognize your community that they make that they fund your community properly and and again I work with many youth and especially with young women of color um, because I, I keep saying this that the higher you go up the less women of color you see and that is very difficult when you don't have a, a mentor or someone to to navigate that with and it's been very difficult for me but luckily I've had other women that are in the same position and we support one another. And I think um, that is very important. So I do hold um, uh, groups uh, with, with young women that, that want to get involved and, and I will be hosting one on the, in December and there's more detail to come on that, but it will be for women that, that want to be involved in politics. Speaking of your event in December, kind of to end everything off, like what's the future looking like for both of you right now as far as like your endeavors and what you want to get accomplished for Staten Island and beyond? Well, for me, it's definitely making sure that we continue to do the the important, but sometimes the on, you know, the overseeing work of just working with amazing people here in, in Staten Island. At the end of the day, uh, Things happen in Washington D.C. Things happen in Albany, and there's a lot of politics involved in those, you know, capitals and those political circles. But at the end of the day, it's what impacts us here, and you know, there all those policies affect us here. Uh, whether it's a broken immigration system, and you have a, a, a mother who I'm working with, who was her husband was deported because her employer called immigration on 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 the father ah, yeah. uh, or exactly and you know for us that's exactly where we are at this moment so for me it's making sure like my my commitment and my future is ensuring that we can truly create a stand out in this welcome mean for everyone and for me I'm willing to work with both Republicans and Democrats to ensure that we can come up with a solution so people can just live their lives and pursue the American dream uh, and if not holding elected official accountable, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Um, if a Republican doesn't doesn't do the right job or doesn't uh, align with the values of keeping families together, then they will be held accountable and we will work and organize to ensure that they are voted out. Um, same thing with a Democrat. If a Democrat does not work and, and just just talks nice and talks, you know, flattery about what they're gonna do, great, but if they don't follow through with action, then we're gonna hold them accountable and we're gonna ensure that we can have someone who can truly represent our values and take action. So for me, it's making sure that we are doing the work here uh, and also connecting with incredible advocates across the country because at the end of the day, you know, if all of us do our job, you know, it's not about creating a perfect world, it's about creating a better world for for the uh, generation behind you. Yes, and, and, and 
my what I plan to do my commitment is my continue organizing for my community right my commitment my loyalty is with my community and will continue being with my community I as a, as I I am a registered Democrat and a lot of times people say oh well you're a Democrat so that means that you're okay with the Democrat Democratic Party such a <laughs> stupid thing to do and I always say like no I hold both Republicans and Democrats accountable and I always tell my friends that I do help out in, in campaigns I always say this again remember why you decided to run and remember that as a community especially my, my Latino community, my, my Mexican and undocumented community, when we help out a politician, we know our power. But one thing we do make it very clear is that don't forget who, who put you there and don't forget who worked so hard to get you elected because the moment we see you turn against our community, just as you saw how organized we are, we could definitely organize to put somebody else to unseat you. So I think uh, my commitment definitely is to ensure that my community understands the power that they have and that is why I, I continue organizing because I want to make sure that my Latino undocumented community understands completely here in Staten Island the power that they have and to let politicians both Republicans and Democrats know that don't let this and especially as of right now don't let this Trump administration uh, or these established Democrats be the reason that you throw my community under the bus because we are very organized and um, again uh, my commitment and loyalty will be to ensure that my community understands their power and continues organizing so we could so we just don't have to fear anymore of our families continue being separated Great. Thank you guys so much for coming on the Quick Collective Podcast for Episode 17. Thank, Thank you both so much it. for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Got it. And we are back. That was our interview with Cesar Vargas, Episode 17. Christian, how are you feeling? I'm feeling, uh, feeling pretty good, Jerry. Uh, I was really quiet because... I was focused on working the equipment correctly, <laughs> which, as everybody can tell watching the actual video of it, I had to jump out of the chair a couple of times, and I had to fix the camera a little bit, but, um, yeah, though it went really good. Our first video podcast, uh, very happy about that. He was a great guest, learned a lot, and it's, uh, one of the things that I can really take away from this, from this interview, which... They, they mentioned about like just talking just, just talk to people get to know people because you know everybody always has the stigma it's like oh you see this person walking down the block maybe maybe this guy's uh, it's so, so easy uh, maybe this guy's like oh he's a thug no well you know if you get to know him he's really a family I always say like it's easy to assume it's hard to listen oh yeah so like just get to know people and you'll know the real side of them which it's you know that's really what this is all about um what you take away from it, I thought it was a very compelling opportunity to understand somebody from a complete point of view where, to be honest, I can't really emphasize with. Because think of it this way. As I'm sure most of us is with having family that is immigrated to the U.S., I'm sure all the stories that way are the same. But in our generation to have people who've done it, I only know so few and far between. So hearing his like perspective on it is something that I could 
certainly admire, especially for the position that he is in as a lawyer. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's that's the American dream onto itself. Just living here. It's coming to America. Yeah. It's the American yeah, dream. Collective podcast, yeah, the collective podcast. Yeah, collective podcast. That's going to be our uh, new logline, guys. Believe me. Listen. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, so next, uh, the next episode, uh, since we've successfully tested the camera. Yes. Everything's good and everything. We're going to try to do our first stream on YouTube. Oh, Since boy. that's how I have it set up, not on Facebook, on YouTube. I'll just do a selfie on Facebook not, Live like this. I'm like, or we could, we, could do, we could do two streams. We could, do, <laughs> we could have the Facebook Live from the phone, and we could have the uh, streaming, the actual streaming, which, Jerry, guess what happened? Camera went out again, so I have to adjust myself. Just keep talking, Jerry. Oh, uh, boy. So... Christian, Christian, he's got to be doing this wonderful stuff over here. You know, just looking right at him. It's a very attractive thing for me to do, obviously. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, yeah. So, as I'm, as I'm, I'm officially back after uh, fixing the camera real quick. I still have the uh, logo up. Just give me a second. Um, yeah, so basically... Um, next one's going to be streaming. Hopefully I'll be able to figure out the camera, why the camera keeps, uh... But aside from the streaming, off. Christian, where can they find us? Oh, well, we can, you can find us on Collective Podcast on Facebook. We're almost to 100. Hope, maybe when this gets out, we'll have 100, uh, people that, uh, like the Facebook page. Uh, find us on, uh, on, uh, Stitcher. YouTube at Collective, at, at Collective Caputo Collective or Caputo Productions. Uh, find us on Anchor, which uh, at Collective Podcast. Now that I'm back to normal, I can finally talk again. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Collective Podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, Droid Podcast. Um, trying to figure out what else because I have it on the. It's on. It's on the logo now. Stitcher, Anchor, everything. <laughs> As I as I botched this ending, but that that's the size of the point. Guys, um, whenever in doubt on anything in life, always resort to Wikipedia. But yeah, so so next next podcast we'll send out a nice little Facebook uh, post and tweet on Twitter. Is that uh, we're going to be doing a live stream? It'll be topic based, no guests. So this is a lot. Of, so that'll oh, obviously, that's me and you, Christian. So that'll ob obviously be our lowest episode, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> unless we get into a fight. About oh yeah, no. Unless we get into a physical fight, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's gonna win. This guy but, uh, is gonna win. I've been training to win. I'm disheveled because camera. I'm still fighting off a food coma. I'm still dehydrated from all the salt. But yeah, Jerry. So uh, here we go. Uh, Log us out. Love you guys. Oh no, keep keep talking. I still got I still got to set this up. <laughs> log us out, Jerry. All right, now now you can log us out. <laughs> I hope this all still stays in. Oh there. no, this this is staying. This is live. This guys, is we love you. You're the best. I'm glad that we've been starting to uh, gauge your interest in terms of the people you want to see on it. Believe me, it is going to get bigger and better. I'm and happy that I'm happy it. that we're improving the podcast now with the video and everything. Yes, and I'm honored that for the core fans out there, including Joe, Joe Valenti, Valenti, that the trial and error as far as our technicalities 
can come to an end pretty and soon. And just reminder, Joe Valenti will be on the year episode, which is going to be after, March. which is the post, no, April, which is the post-WrestleMania. Oh, WrestleMania. Which is the post-WrestleMania episode. You're always going to be here with So us, the Josh. guys at Empty <laughs> Arena Podcast, so we can actually compete with the Empty Arena Podcast for one episode. Well, we'll be competing with WrestleMania. That bet is my wrestling ring. Yeah, there you go. There you go, Jerry. So uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Collective Podcast. Um, Facebook, Collective Podcast. Twitter, Caputo Collective Productions. Uh, Facebook, also Caputo Collective Productions. You can find all of our stuff on YouTube at Caputo Collective or Collective. I or was Caputo Productions. about to do the drum roll. And there you go. So as I lose my... My, uh, my, my way of talking. I'm losing the use of my tongue. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.